Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Raider Nation Radio's Morning Tailgate here on a beautiful and perfect Funk Tuesday. It's Clay Baker, it's Heidi Fang, and Vinny, Vinny Bonsignor from In the Huddle. We're all here to, get, uh, to go on this morning, you know, and dry it out from the start. This is the morning show going forward. We were gonna, like, we're gonna, no reason to break the, the silence. It's not a big, uh, you know, hidden secret. Vinny Bonsignor from In the Huddle. Here on the morning tailgate, Heidi Fang, Clay Baker, all that stays the same. But we uh, we are now a power trio going forward. <laughs> That's right. And it is like, you know, it's like I was thinking, like, how do we combine these names? You know, the morning tailgate that's in the huddle. You know, in the huddle tailgate, in the morning huddle. I mean, it's just it's crazy. So this is the morning tailgate. In the tailgate huddle. In the tailgate huddle. That's right. I just thought of it. It's like in the heat of the night. In the tailgate huddle. In the heat of the, of the night. Moment. I had a different song. It's all right. You're, Asia. You're we should, Asia. We, should, <laughs> we should probably let the listeners know what else follows the rest of the day on Raider Nation Radio because there have been some changes. You know what? The, it, it's it's wild and wacky. Uh, the morning tailgate in the huddle will be going on 7 a.m., 10 a.m., Monday through Friday here on Raider Nation Radio. But at the same time, there will be other shows. Uh, JT the Brick will be on from noon to 2, as we know. And Q Myers will have an extended show from 2 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday through Friday. So, yeah, adjust your calendars accordingly. We know there's a appointment listening. We appreciate that you are. We're just trying to make it better for everybody and we're just trying to uh, you know, maybe uh, consolidate some things and so we'll have a better package for you once the season rolls around. Change your calendars and clocks because <laughs> right. uh, th- th- things are, are are changing, but that's always for the better uh, and it's always to provide uh, the best content for our listeners because you know what you guys deserve that uh, from beginning to end throughout the course of the day that's it and um, you know we'll uh, we still want all your participation up on the text line 69187 the salmon ash text line as well as twitter at rnr 920 am and on the phones at 702-365-9200 today we will give you Sam Gordon at 7.30. Sam's going to join us at 7. Zig Fricasi from Sirius XM NFL Radio at 8 o'clock. Normally, it would be Jason Fitz. He'll join us again next week. 9 o'clock, USA Today writer Nate Davis will join us. Can't wait to talk to Nate at 9. And Marcus Johnson at 9.30 from Tape Don't Lions and SB Nation. We'll go over some Raiders footage with him as we start to find out uh, more about mini camps this week because this is a huge week. This is like, all right, once you get into uh, mini camps, I think Heidi said that yesterday, like that's when you know that time will start evaporating and next thing you know, the season will be at your front door. No doubt about it. And um, I, a lot of people ask, well, what is mini camp? What's the difference between mini camp and OTAs? Mini camp is literally, it replicates training camp. This is a yeah. day, these next three days are days that you are going to um, replicate what you're going to see in training camp. Meetings, uh, practice, walkthroughs, all of those things to try to get them set up, Heidi. Yeah. Heidi Fang. <laughs> for what they're going to find out, what, what they're going to, th- what the program is going to be, what the uh, schedule is going to be, uh, what training camp is going to look like. And for these Raiders, yeah. it's a t- different deal because it's under a new coach and a new regime. This is going to sound incredibly, like, probably lame, but I'm really looking forward to watching the individual drills just because we really haven't got that 
full-on opportunity through OTAs. We've got to see a lot of the stretching, a lot of the kind of warm-ups, and then they go through like walkthroughs of some things. But I haven't been able to really see like what are they focusing on when they're in their individual drills? Where is it more like hand placement? Is it more and it's you know the silly tedious things that I like to watch? Where's the footwork at with some of the guys? Where are they like cutting if they're going on running back drills? Like what kind of uh, you know pad work are they doing on defense? It's different things like that I like to watch because I can really get an idea for like maybe where somebody's skill level is at with their hands, with their feet, how they're moving their body, their reaction time, things like that. You know, there's so many different names on the defense, uh, not unlike how last year was, that you almost need to, like, watch and get to know them. And like you said, you know, I want to watch their footwork. I want to watch hand placement. And, uh, you know, I want to see, like, their overall work ethic of when they come mm-hmm. to work. I want to see, like, sometimes you see, like, defining uh, characteristics on somebody's bodies where you, like, uh, you know that some guys have great length. They will go and leap. They will uh, go and, like, you know, uh, defend passes in the secondary when you can almost see them coming before it actually starts. I, we were talking about, like, uh, Deron Harmon yesterday. I always have these great images of him, uh, you know, diving after yes. balls, uh, great athleticism, uh, just an all-out defender. And those are the kind of things, like, you know, you want to kind of get a taste of that in minicamp. But there's so many new faces. You just want to find out, all right, how do I differentiate you from everyone else? Because there's so little time to go. I want to be able to you know, physically see the difference. While you guys are looking at that, I'm going to be looking at 11 on 11. I want to see sub packages on defense. I want to see what uh, the base defense looks like, what the sub defense looks like. I want to see what, um, you know, who's the fourth cornerback. Uh, who's the third cornerback uh, coming in right now? Trayvon Mullen's not out there, so got to figure out that starter opposite uh, Rocky Asin. But what does it look like when they go to their sub packages? I want to see what it looks like in 12 personnel, 13 personnel for the Raiders offense, 22 personnel. Uh, there's going to be so many different positional groups and positional schemes and uh, packages, and I know that it's just the start of all of this. Uh, but I want to start putting faces and names to sure. personnel groupings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and like first teamers versus the second teamers. Like how how are they rotating them in? When are they coming in? Like defensive end wise or defensive tackle wise, um, with different downs and different situational plays. Like that stuff should all be pretty interesting as and, well. And you're going to see that because there's going to be so much, um, so many charted kind of programmed. Uh, situations we'll see red zone uh we'll see third and longs we'll see you know put the ball at the 20 uh and it's an 11 on 11 uh, uh two minute drill four minute drill all these things that when the season comes about become so important and so critical and mastering it those moments uh the communication uh the the, the changing of the personnel groupings it all starts now this is when that foundation is set who do you think will have the uh uh, more active voice that's out there. You know, I remember last year, Gus Bradley was really kind of like an <laughs> active voice that was like monitoring around you. You knew when Gus was out there, yeah. but not so much when John Gruden was out there or uh, when you saw the Greg Olson Oh, you stuff. heard Gruden. Yeah, well, yeah, you did. Gruden was colorful out there. D- does Josh McDaniels <laughs> and John Gruden, do they have similar styles when, uh, when, when, when this comes around to see how like, you know, to get that, you know, finite details hammered in? Probably not. I don't think I don't see Josh McDaniels and John Gruden being alike in that way because John Gruden was extremely 
colorful. If you were listening, you can hear him barking out things and uh-huh. making funny comments. And um, it was it was it was it was a fun time. I don't think that Josh is going to be quite the comic uh, that that John Gruden was sometimes out on the field. Um, but it will be interesting to see how he handles it. Yeah, I think it's you know you. It's not apples and oranges at all. It's not peas and carrots. It's a lot different, I think, if one's a carrot than the other one's an apple, if that makes any sense. But they're completely, I think, night and day as far as how they're going to run things. And I think that Josh McDaniels is still out there going to have a lot to prove in this season. And I think that everything for him is going to be down to the detail and also really working with this group so that I think we talked about the funnel idea that, Mm. you know, he was putting a lot of ideas earlier on in his earlier coaching stint through the top and hoping they would funnel down. Now, I think he's really going to be a lot more hands-on and making sure that he's getting his message across one-on-one with the guys more so than going around joking or barking or yelling any like crazy things while guys are doing workouts just to get them to loosen up and laugh. I I think he's going to have a much more serious approach. And that's not to say Gruden's wasn't, but I think that this is just a different state of mind as they're coming into everything with that win now mentality. Here's another thing. Uh, Derek Carr, um, the last time we saw Derek Carr, he was the master of an offense. I mean, this was the fourth year that yeah. he was in John Gruden's offense last year. Good point. He, he knew it uh, like the back of his hand, and it was like second, third nature to him, um, you know, whether it was at the line of scrimmage, calling plays, audibling, um, what he needed to see, where the matchups were. Well, now he's at the beginning stages of learning this offense, and I don't know if we're going to get a chance to talk to him today. At some point, we will talk to to Derek Carr, but just where is he in terms of the understanding and the command of of this offense? Because they got to hit the ground running. When you talk about the first five games of this season, starting off with the Los Angeles Chargers to start the season, uh, you can't afford to have any kind of a learning curve be uh, uh, impede this progress and impede where the Raiders need to be from the get-go. So Derek Carr understanding the offense and being able to communicate it and articulate it to his teammates is going to be critical. And so I want to see where he is in terms of that uh, part of the progress. It's key. Uh, what what Derek Carr can pick up, we know that uh, from just hearing from Josh McDaniels that he said he picked it up very quickly. Um, and also Jared Stidham has been very helpful at least sharing information to everyone else at, at that quarterback position of, uh, of you know verbiage and language and, and also uh, getting to know Josh McDaniels and what McDaniels is expecting. For Derek Carr, though, I would have to think that th- this is probably the most important uh, minicamp he's been a part of. Because you not only are installing this uh, new offense, but he knows that his time is limited. Like he has to perform under great uh, under great you know circumstances. Because there's the expectations schedule. here too. There's well, there's there's. Does he want to be a Raider next year? You know he'll be a Raider next year. Um, no, no, think about it. Last year was like oh, okay. Uh, if everything goes right, we're going to make the playoffs. That was the mandate from Mike Mayock, if you remember. I don't think there's any question that this is a playoff team and the expectations are playoff, not to say or bust, but this is a different world that Derek Carr and the Raiders are dealing with. It was always, oh, you hope that they're going to get there. Oh, if if things work out, they're going to get there. This is a playoff team, and everybody around the country sees this as a playoff team. It would be a huge disappointment if they don't make uh, you know, the postseason and a letdown. And so... I don't think that Derek Carr has been dealing with those expectations or the Raiders for that for that matter that they have right now at all in his career. That second year where they made the playoffs in 2017, Heidi, you, you know, um, uh, you were probably paying a little bit more attention at that. That was a surprise. I don't think anyone saw that coming.
coming into that season. They right. started got on a roll and they, they started winning yeah. some games and it all worked out. But coming into a season, this is the first year in years where the Raiders now have kind of a target on themselves. People are looking at them and saying, that's a playoff team. And, of course, what's crazy about that is the division. The division, the AFC West alone, the stacked, how people are ranking it. I mean, you look at any of the rankings right now, power rankings, within the top 15 are all four of those teams, no matter which different rankings you look at. Some of them have them all clumped into the top 10. Yeah. So with the Raiders being 10. And so that's where if you look at it from the analyst pundit perspective of what the national perspective is. A lot of them are putting the Raiders to be fourth in the division. But that's probably the difference of a game, Vinny. Exactly. And, and the divisional matchups, how you handle those throughout the season is going to be a huge, huge deal. And like you said, starting with the Chargers. Yeah. And it's you, you, you have to qualify even if you're listed as the fourth place team in the AFC, that doesn't mean you're a, or in the AFC West. That doesn't mean you're a bad team. Normally, when you see fourth place, you're thinking five and eleven or you know five and twelve. Now, uh, that's those. That's not the case here. Right. Uh, and as opposed to years past, and I've been drilling this and drilling this and drilling this and drilling this. In years past, let's face it, the Raiders would go into games and it was obvious there was a talent deficiency. Mm. It was obvious the other team was better. <laughs> Clay, the it 2018 was, roster? Oh, we went over the <laughs> we roster. We were going through that. It was a joke. I remember when I, I covered <laughs> oh, the Raiders, at, I covered the Rams at that time, came up to practice against <laughs> the Raiders in 2018 or it might have been 2019. One of those years. It, might, it was it, 19, yeah. I remember was, I remember that one. It was. It might have been yeah. both, actually. I think yeah. I think the Raiders and the oh, Rams. Oh, you all yeah. came up to Napa once. And exactly. Then, yeah, we even, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So one of those times went up to... Even the Rams were talking about like John Gruden's got a long way to go. This this roster is depleted. Um, So uh, that that's no longer that's no longer the case. And so, as opposed to those days where there was an obvious disadvantage for the Raiders, they would go into games and, if you're being honest, need the other team to play bad and the Raiders to play almost perfect football against some of the opponents for them to have a chance. Now. I think the Raiders walk into most games, almost every game on the schedule, being able to look eye-to-eye with their opponent and say, we're just as good as you. And what happens at that point? Well, games then start coming down to what games should come down to. Are you efficient in the red zone? Are you not turning the ball over? Uh, Are you um, avoiding silly mistakes? Those will be the difference between the Raiders winning and losing. It's not going to be a talent disadvantage. And for Raider Nation... Um, that's something to be happy about. That's something to be confident about. Now, games are going to come down to what games come down to, but it's no longer going to be a hope and a prayer when the Raiders walk on the field on Sundays. I think for Derek, I want to see something uh, as far as what the mindset was in those final four regular season games. What did he always say? You know, nobody cares. There's no more excuses. I don't have anything to, to, uh, to continue on to say like, oh, well, if we had this or if we had that or, you know, he knew that. Nobody else is giving us any more leeway. And he didn't give himself any more leeway. There was no personal excuses. There was nothing else that he could go and say, "Um, this is what I need, because it was too late for that. I wonder if he still has that kind of urgency of nobody cares. I have to win now. Even that has changed because other people are looking at the situation going, damn, you got it good. You got Devontae Adams, you got Darren Waller, you got Hunter Runfro, you got Josh McDaniels as your coach, you've got uh, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake. People are looking at this and saying there's no excuses because there aren't any excuses. It's not, oh, Derek, we kind of feel bad for that. You got to work with that. It's like you have everything that you need and you're a good quarterback. This is a hell of a situation. I still keep thinking about the offensive line, though. 
Yeah. That's got to be ironed Ooh, out. Well, that's the thing. Like, of all the problems, that thing has to get worked out. As far as mini camps go, right. and you want to see personnel groupings? Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> the rotation at right tackle, yes. where, how the guards are fitting in. Is Denzel Good going to be the guy on the interior? Which we're not going to find out until training Right. Camp. Those are all things, because he's still going through the reps with the personal right. trainers that we still need to get a grasp on. So that's the one thing. But I mean, with a guy like Devontae that is as good as running routes as he is, Derek Carr isn't going to need as much time, I think, and as they would have in the past with the chemistry that it's already built in there and they can like, hey, okay, quick out, boop, and then you go out 10 extra yards, run that after the catch. But, you know, there's there's things like that that can help. He traditionally is able to get the ball out quickly, too, uh, Mm -hmm. so that helps. Uh, He's got great route runners in Devontae and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, so those guys are able to beat their guys at the line of scrimmage, get open uh, in with with a suddenness. Uh, And also, Josh McDaniels, I mean, again, we keep reiterating right at this, Go look back at the Patriots' offensive lines. They haven't been the stellar offensive lines like all pros and pro bowlers and just unbelievably great offensive lines. They've typically developed a pretty good offensive line and schemed it so that it doesn't be the thing that kills them. They usually get enough. And if you look at their drafts, if you look at who they bring in, it's not like they invest high draft picks or a lot of money uh, in that positional group. Uh, they they managed to get it done done with a, in a scheme and a fundamental way, uh, and then being able to coach around it and scheme up around it uh, in order to mitigate you know if it isn't the strongest offensive line in the league. All right, let's take this conversation into the next segment. We'll take a break right here, but on that about the the offensive line and maybe what uh, Josh McDaniels wants to see out of this group that it doesn't necessarily have to be the perfect ten at every position. We'll talk about that on the other side. Sam Gordon joins us from Vegas Nation at 7.30. All that and more here on Raider Nation Radio. Show on Twitter at Clay Baker Radio. And now back to the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We've been moving them around a little bit. Um, you know, each one of the guys up front, you know, we've got some guys playing center and guard. We've got some pl- guys playing on the right side and the left side. Uh, we've got some guys playing tackle and guard. So, um, you know, there's there was a little bit more of a focus of, of that today for him. But, um, you know, ultimately we're going to try to figure out who the best five are that can give us the best chance of success every play. Um, and, and he's certainly working his butt off right now to try to, uh, try to you know, give us the right stuff wherever we put him in today. McDaniels coming back here on Raider Nation Radio. This morning, tailgate in the huddle. What does he mean by, like, we're trying to find our best five right now? And Leatherwood is also, you know, trying to find his mix into that. Everyone is competing for a spot. How far ahead is Leatherwood than anyone else for right tackle? He's getting uh, the majority of the snaps. Uh, okay. Interestingly, also uh, to the left of guard, uh, at least last week, um, it was Lester Cotton getting the most snaps at right guard. Uh, so Jermaine Illuminar seems to be, uh, at least last week, uh, behind Lester Cotton. Now that position probably is designated for Denzel Good, but as we were talking about earlier, he's a question mark right now. Uh, He's out there running around doing some side drills and things like that. Uh, We're about a month away, a little bit over a month away from training camp, so he has plenty of time now to to get it to that next level to where he's going to be, but need to be. But as of right now, um, you know, he's still a question mark. So right now it looks like Alex Leatherwood has been getting the majority of reps at right tackle, Lester Cotton at right guard, Andre James at center, uh, John Simpson at left guard, Colt Miller at uh, at right tackle. But as 
Carmen Brasillo, Heidi, talked to us last week. It takes more than five. And we've seen yeah. that for the, from the Raiders the last few years. Unfortunately for the Raiders, they, it has to come to a point where you get five, and those five are the guys that are out there playing and play out. They haven't been able to get to that point in a couple of years with so many injuries. But it sure would help if when we're talking about this offensive line, Heidi, if they could just stay on the field cohesively together, that whatever that top five group is. Right. I'd still like to see more Dylan Parham as well. Uh, I don't think we've got to see enough of him yet uh, through what we got in OTAs and those early looks. I'd like to see where he's at at this level of the game and how he's playing up to uh, the NFL level. So that that to me is going to be something that I keep my eyes on as well as obviously Leatherwood and as Denzel Good starts to get healthy, where his level of health is at. I like that they're bringing him along with a good pace and still allowing him the time to work through the injury because you know, he's not... Uh, no need to be out here right now. Right, right. He's not the type either that I think needs uh, a refresher course of any sense. I think once he gets in, it's plug and play, but at what percentage of health? That's what I'm going to be looking mm -hmm. at. Because what did we learn from last year's uh, trying to rely on Richie Incognito and Denzel Good uh, as like being the, you know, your stalwarts on the offensive line? Mm -hmm. Like that, um, that the injuries uh, of, uh, of the offensive line was something that I don't think was taken seriously enough because the depth was a real issue at that point. I think they learned their lesson this time around. Yeah, and you know Denzel Good to me wasn't a uh, roll of the dice. He just hurt his knee in the first in the season yeah. opener. That happens. Richie Incognito, on the other hand, I mean he was years coming. Old, Richie Incognito. At, yes, and he was coming <laughs> off. He was coming off yeah. a year where there were injuries as well the mm -hmm. year before. So it wasn't like. Um, you know, that was a big surprise. There was a concern. That's why the Raiders, remember the Raiders cut him and renegotiated his contract way down. Uh, so they understood there was risk and they weren't going to take that risk at the salary that he was coming into the season. And uh, it was, we're cutting you. And then if we could work something out, great, which they did, but it never worked out right. at left guard. For I them. think though, for what it's worth, where he was good at towards the end of the season, that I was noticing that he was on the sideline. And when the guys had come off the field, he was constantly in their ear. So as cool. a guy that has been one of the top levels. Did something for that money. Right, right. Cool. At least work as a mentor of some sort to help some of the guys move along that need to have that extra boost or the extra uh, you know, advice in their ear as they get along uh, through the season. It's good to have, I think, uh, for this team, just so you have like little foundations like that. Yeah. Because Colton Miller is a guy that's going to lead by example. But having another guy like that, Denzel Good, is going to like kind of like help instill more of a, uh, you know, maybe a more of a, a camaraderie and chemistry. There is something that you want to rely on. You want to have faith in everybody that's with them. And I like how even Carmen Brasillo mentioned, as you brought up, Dylan Parham. It's like when you, a child is first learning to swim, you put him in the deep end and see what happens. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't like, know if that's the smartest thing to do, but <laughs> it's at least throw him in the water. Maybe not the deep end. At least throw him in the water. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it depends learn. on Let the kid. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But uh, does Dylan Parham, uh, is, is, will he continue to see maybe some work at center? Uh, he was like, he was seeing some work on the left side, right side. Um, does center become a, a position that's going to see more competition? Well, it kind of had to last week because Andre James uh, wasn't on the field. So we'll see if Andre's out there uh, today, if there was any kind of an injury that we don't know about, right. um, or if he just had a, a day off that day. But um, I think that I. The more, the closer we get to training camp uh, and when training camp is here, I, I think they need to figure out maybe one solid position for Dylan Parham. Although, um, if he doesn't crack the starting five, 
then you really do have to cross-chain them a lot at center and guard because if an injury happened at either of yeah. those positions, then he's going to be one of the guys that's going to be a plug-and-play uh, guy, whether it's at center or whether it's at guard. So, um, But I want to know if he's got a chance to, to crack that starting five. For now, John Simpson uh, is, is has been getting uh, the majority of the snaps at left guard. And, you know, that's a guy that we've sort of taken for granted a little bit. Um, he was himself a, a green banana last year. I mean, he got thrown <laughs> into the situation when Richie Incognito got hurt uh, and survived. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was a great season for John Simpson, but for a second-year, first-time starter, it wasn't an awful season either. Uh, it's uh, in the huddle and the morning tailgate, Raider Nation Radio on a Funk Tuesday. Huddling with the tailgate on the Funk Tuesday. Oh, that's it. Huddling well, with the tailgate. Well, it just flowed. Do you feel that? Oh, that's good. <laughs> I, I you can smell the magic. <laughs> it's Raider Nation Radio on a Funk Tuesday. Hey, we, let's take a, a conversation with Sam Gordon. He joins us now from the Las Vegas Review Journal, sports columnist, reporter covering the Raiders, the fight game, as well as UNLV uh, football. Sam, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, y'all. Happy Tuesday. How's everybody doing? Hey, great. Very good. Thank you. Good. You know, great. We were just kind of uh, uh, discussing kind of like how the uh, the room is starting to look for mini camps. And when you start to go out there and you look at, all right, personnel groupings, you want to see, you know, how is everyone starting to acclimate themselves for what is being asked? And, you know, what? there were some uh, thoughts on, on the offensive line of how it looks as though that that is the one area, right, that you want to make sure you get right now in mini camps. And I think even for a guy like Derek Carr, he needs to have that kind of consistency in front of him so nobody's at his feet constantly like it was last year. Yeah, I'm completely with you, Clay. I think that was like that, that you know, that, that area is the one kind of, you know, question mark the Raiders had coming into the season, right? I think you kind of know what you have. Um, everywhere else, when you take a look at what they did in free agency, and take a look at the foundation they had last year. So, with that said, yeah, I think the, you know the off-season program, mini camps, OTAs are really crucial to just kind of developing a foundation uh, across the offensive line. Um, I think you know there, yeah, quite frankly, it needs to be better than it was last year. But there's still young players with a lot of room for development um, and, and growth. So the fact that you're starting to see, I think, a foundation solidified on that unit has to be encouraging um, going into, you know, as, as many camp gets ready to conclude this week, going into, you know, with, with the, OT, the off-season program getting ready to conclude. So that's, that's promising. But, yeah, that is definitely the, the, the one area where I think there's been the kind of the most, the most question marks, the most concern. So the fact that you're getting something solidified, the fact that, you know, you got guys getting reps consistently um, in certain places and certain areas – um, is huge for the, for the development and the growth of the offensive line. Sam, I think the the few days after minicamp, that week after minicamp, after the Raiders have a full body of uh, work with this roster, with this group, is going to be fascinating to me because I think that if there's a move to be made, it's going to be made at that point once they really take a look at what is it that we see, what is it that we know about this roster, how surprised would you be if they made a move at offensive line? Yeah, I wouldn't be super surprised. You know, we kind of touched on it, right? You kind of just want to see what you have now. You have young players. You have um, just you want to evaluate based on based on what you had last year. But this is still a group that I felt um, all along could still use another veteran. But if, if another veteran is available, I don't know what that necessarily looks like right now. But it's understandable that the new coaching staff, of course, with Dave Ziegler, wants to have you know the the the, the off season program to just kind of evaluate what you already have and what you're already able to assemble. Um, through the first six months of the year. There's still, I think, a couple moves to be made, and we'll see what happens, right? Like, other teams are probably in the same boat where their rosters are incomplete and, and there's going to be moving parts. So it would not surprise me one bit 
if there's still a, a lot of not a lot, but if there's still a little bit of shuffling, um, certainly before we get to training camp, and then definitely before we get to the season, because you know how training camp goes. Guys from other teams are getting cut left and right, and there are opportunities where sometimes guys are, are you know just better fits. Um, Elsewhere, trades, things like that. I think the Raiders were, you know, Denzel Perryman, a training camp acquisition that was one of the best players for the Raiders last year. So there's still plenty of time, I think, to tinker and fiddle with the roster, and it makes sense that you want to get a full evaluation of what you already have with the offseason program before you do anything too drastic. Give guys reps, see where they're at, see, see who's up to speed and who long-term can project um, to be an effective player in this new system, and, and then go from there and adjust accordingly. Hey, Sam, if there was one spot you were going to fiddle with the roster, any position in a perfect world, where would you add somebody to? Oh, geez. Um, that's a great question, Heidi. I mean, I think, off, you know, if we go outside of offensive line, I think I think cornerback is still an area where there's still a, a little bit of uncertainty, right? Not, not necessarily a ton, and I don't think you want to do anything drastic. I think, generally speaking, you know, you like what you have with with, um, with Rocky Asin, with Trayvon Mullen, with, with Nate Hobbs, but still, it's it's a relatively um, new group compared to what you had last year. There's not a ton of returners. It's a very very new group, and I think another veteran, if another veteran um, is is a, you know becomes available at some point, or, or depending on how things shake out between now and training camp, I don't I don't think that'd be a bad addition. We know the Raiders were, were there was some interest in James Bradbury there uh, for obvious reasons. Now he's you know kind of a high end starter. I'm not necessarily sure. There are guys like that readily available right now. But that's an area, I think, with some of the uncertainty surrounding Trayvon Mullen and, and some of the injuries um, that he's had the last year or so. Like, you're just not necessarily sure what you have compared to last year. But overall, um, I think if you're the Raiders outside offensive line and, and corner, I think you've got to feel pretty good um, about what you have. I know, you know linebacker is an area where you see some chatter, some dialogue about, about the depth there. But, but overall... Um, you know, with Denzel Perriman, with Divine Diablo, with some of the, the the guys that they've added behind them, I, I think you're fine there. Even if even if the names aren't necessarily too big or too pro, too high profile per se, um, you have guys that are productive that that are going to contribute in their own right. So offensive line, corner, but but otherwise, uh, otherwise, I think you know the, the 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 front office and the coaching staff did a pretty good job of addressing some of the holes, right? Like your completed receiver, uh, you know who you have a quarterback, you have multiple running backs, right? You have safeties, you, you have. Uh, pass rushers, there's depth of defensive tackles. So this is a roster, I think, at least on paper right now, um, that, that you feel pretty good about, uh, given kind of the changes in the dynamic of the division. Uh, and then you adjust accordingly, like Vinny was saying, between now and potentially training camp. But then if you have to make any additions during training camp, you go from there. Just to follow up on that, though, I wanted to say, if you were going to tinker and you were going to go for a big-ticket name, how big would you be on the Raiders landing somebody like Ndamukong Sue? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's, I think at this stage of his career, there's, 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 he still has, you know, something left and, and he's a guy that's, um, one and, and has a high level track record of success. I'm, I'm big on, on, you know, veterans, right? You take a look at the, you go on the Raiders.com and you click the ages on the roster. There's very few guys on the roster now, um, over the age of 30. I don't think that's a problem per se, but another veteran in the room, somebody that's had success, somebody that's won a Super Bowl, somebody that's quite frankly, you know, put together a career quite worthy of consideration in Canton. Um, I'm, I'm not averse to that or opposed to that at all. I mean, defensive tackle, even though there is some depth there, and I like how the Raiders were able to kind of address um, that position given that there was some turnover based on the success some of the players had last year. I think you're solid with your depth, but having somebody like him who at 35 is a veteran, has been there, done that, and seen everything, um, only adds experience to the room and would add, you know, another, another leader as well. So I don't think it's a need per se. But 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 another big name right now. I don't think that's going to disrupt anything that you built so far, especially when he's coming from from a winning program and and knowing what he's been through, experience at this stage of his career.
Follow Sam on Twitter at BySamGordon. He's here with us on Raider Nation Radio here on this Funk Tuesday. And what I really loved was your story yesterday up at VegasNation.com as well as on the Review Journal about Nate Hobbs. You know, and you're, you, were, you were looking at a cornerback coming off a year where he played a lot and was relied upon a lot. And yet he seems to still kind of instill a lot of confidence that he wants to grow. He wants to learn some new details. What did you gain from uh, what you've been able to kind of assess from what Nate Hobbs can do in this second year now under Patrick Graham? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy where, as a fifth-round pick last year, you know, not not a ton was known about him, you know, coming into the season, not necessarily a ton of external expectations. But when you take a look at, at what he brought to the table, you know, big physical corner that made plays in the slot, and when he was called upon to play on the outside, I, th- I thought he, you know, he, he produced there as well. Um, you know, there's you, you're seeing, the, I think, a, a young player maturing and understanding, you know, that what he has to do. Um, to be a contributor at the highest level. I think there's, you know, upside that Nate Hobbs, uh, there's still some untapped upside that, that, that he has. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure he's going to be a slot corner uh, for the remainder of his career, but the sense we got talking to him, um, and I know you guys were out there as well, is at least at this stage right now, he's not trying, there's no ego to him. He's not trying to, you know, not trying to do too much, but, but contribute um, where he can. And I think big picture, Clay, like, you know, even, even if he does stay in the slot this year, which I think there's a, you know, pretty good chance of that happening, uh, the way football is played in 2022, like the, the value, there's so much value with you with your slot cornerback, right? Like it's not just about what you're doing on the outside or, or who's you know who you have shut right. down people on the outside. Like this is a, it's you're playing with five six defensive backs all the time because of how frequently teams are passing. So uh, I think he understands his value to the program, whether it's on the inside or on the outside, and is willing to do um, what he has to do. He had an unbelievable rookie season, and you know the expectations, of course, are going to rise because he's earned that. He's earned that by the way he distinguished himself. Um, with this play, I, again, I think you're seeing a young player who's, who's maturing and understands what he has to do to be a part of this program on a winning level. Sam Clay brought up uh, Nate Hobbs. Uh, I ran into Lovey Smith uh, at the uh, scout. I think it was a scouting combine, and he coached uh, Nate, Nate Hobbs uh, at the University of Illinois. I walked up to him, introduced myself, and said, hey, I wanted to ask you about Nate Hobbs, and I swear to you, the smile that emerged <laughs> on Lovey Smith's face stretched from uh, Indianapolis to Las Vegas, and he said, "Man, I could talk about that guy all day long." And I want to ask you this about Nate Hubs. Um, I, I think we might be seeing the emergence of a guy that's not just a good defensive player, but also the potential to be a playmaker. Do you envision uh, Patrick Graham utilizing Nate Hobbs potentially in a role that not just asks him to defend something, but go make plays? Yeah, I mean that one. That one shocked me one bit. And he's just when you take a look at what he was just again what he was able to do last year when he was asked to be in certain situations. He plays with no fear. Um, the, the, you know the physical profile. You know it, it speaks for itself of the ground he was able to cover, the size. I mean he's a you know big physical corner, right? Like he walked into the press room yesterday, and it was I think it was one of the first times that at least I've you know been that, that close you know up close to him, and he's like he doesn't look like a corner. You know no what I'm doubt. Like, no he, doubt he's about it. Big. And there's like there's real size. There's a real presence to him, and, and you can tell he can you know do some things more than than just cover um, receivers or be asked to cover certain areas on the field. So there, I mean, for a fifth round pick, that you, that's as good as you can do. Like, you know, the, the, just finding finding a guy like that and 
he, to me, I mean, he was like, what, 76, 77% of the snaps last year as a rookie. We know Patrick Graham is going gonna to be a little bit more multiple in the way he deploys defensive coverages than Gus Bradley did last year. I think Gus Bradley's cover three system was, was good for Nate Hobbs to, to, to really get his feet wet and adjust, but you know, that's kind of the, the, that's kind of what we know Gus Bradley's system is. It's, it's, it's safe, it's reliable. Now you're in a defense where I think there's going to be a little bit more experimentation that has a little bit more upside to unlock somebody like Nate Hobbs. So, Super impressed um, with the way he played last year, and again, it just—it seems like he, you know, he has the right mentality um, this this offseason and going into this year to, to to be deployed in a way um, that makes him more dangerous and that makes the Raiders' defense, you know, more dangerous regardless of what the specific role is. Yeah, I was looking a lot about what you know, kind of trying to read between the lines of what Patrick Graham has said, what Nate Hobbs says, and though I feel like in Nate Hobbs's uh, most recent news conference, he was a little bit reserved, and I don't feel like it was on purpose. I think it well, a, a deliberate more like, in the sense that he was trying to not give away everything that he's working on, because I do feel like in the Patrick Graham system, and we've seen it, that he'll bring somebody that looks and appears to be lined up as a slot corner and play him as a as safety in the actual play once it starts to unfold. How much of that do you expect to start seeing in the disguising of Patrick Graham's defense and the positions that we know as cornerback safety being more intermixed as as through the defense and the progressions that we'll see? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, Heidi, I think we kind of saw some of that, you know, last year when you just kind of take a look at his profile. Um, in, in New York and some of the things that they're able to do. I mean, he, he was a guy that was, you know, under strong head coach consideration um, this offseason and, you know, will be a head coach, I mean, someday. I mean, you hear the players talk about, you know, talk about him. They just it, football, it just his football intelligence, the way he's able to coach and communicate. There's a, you can already tell um, the respect that, that he's commanding on that defense. And, and you know, the, I mean, like kind of like basketball now, Heidi, like positionless basketball, like we're seeing a thing on both sides of the yeah. ball where they're, Football is becoming semi-positionless, too. Like, how do you define a guy like Debo Samuel or a player like Travis Kelsey, like, on the offensive side? You really can't. And I think from that positionless standpoint defensively, we've kind of seen the blueprint for that with a, with a former Raider, right? Like, Charles Woodson did everything on the defensive side of the ball. In his prime, he was covering. He was getting, he was, you know, manning up. He was, you know, dropping back in coverage as a safety. He was blitzing. He was doing all kinds of things. Now, that's not to say Nate Hobbs is going to be Charles Woodson, I'm not, I'm not implying that or saying that at all, but I'm saying that there are, of course, more traditional ways to, to deploy certain playmakers or guys with certain skill sets that make you know, the defense, like you said, harder to read or that's able to unlock uh, other players on the defense or able to set up certain kind of looks uh, for the defense that might confuse the quarterback or trip up something in a running game. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I definitely think there is an element to that. Uh, I, I think that's a, a great observation that, that you made just kind of by the way he was communicating. Yeah, I think there, there might be more, more to him than just playing one specific role. But, but when you have that's, – that's the luxury of having a guy like Nate Hodge, right, who came in as a rookie, was an impact player right away and clearly has more, more, that, he, more that he can offer. There's a lot of untapped upside there. Um, I think not just with him, but with other guys, you know, all over the defense, I think we're going to see something that looks drastically different than we did last year with just different looks, different formations, different coverages. Um, and that's super exciting. And I think a lot of that, right, like just like going back to where we're at, you know, the conversation on the offensive line, right now it's just foundational. You're just trying to build a foundation and set yourself up for training camp. I think we'll have a much better understanding of, of the way he wants to play defense um, during training camp. Yeah. And, and I'm you know, definitely excited to see how different it looks and, and what kind of upside it has. 
No, you're definitely right. Positionless uh, secondary is something we all should probably get used to when you start taking a look at what the Raiders could employ with Patrick Graham. But then again, I think about a guy like Jonathan Abram who doesn't want to come off the field. He wants to <laughs> like really impress, and he's somebody that can play so many different roles on this defense. Now in this week, would you like to see if he's now working in a too-high safety role with Trayvon Merrick? Uh, do you think that's a possibility uh, this week as you look at minicams? Well, I know he's, he's working there a little bit, you know, last week, Clay, when we were out there. And, it, it, and he's a guy, right, where you, you see the potential, you see the ability. Um, we know about kind of the intangibles, the fire he plays with, the, the ability he brings as a tackle. I just I think at this stage of his career, just hasn't quite found the right fit for what his, you know, how to deploy him in the best manner. Now, that's, you know, you have a defensive coordinator like Patrick Graham that isn't necessarily rigid in his approach, right, like, that is willing to be, um, to mix things up. It's understandable why he's getting some looks. In that kind of cover system, I think it's a it's a it's a crucial. I mean, there's, there's no denying, right? It's a big year for Jonathan Abram. He had his his fifth year option, you know, decline. So yeah. whether it's with the Raiders, whether it's with another team around the NFL, right? Like the massive, massive year for him. Really important for him um, to play his best football. I'm sure I'm sure he's certainly aware of that. It wants to contribute. It wants to win. I don't think there's ever been a, been a question about his desire to win and the passion. Um, he plays with it's just about putting it all together so if that's a situation where that's the way he can be maximized just kind of simplify his responsibilities put the field in half and you know don't get beat deep and just you know be be cerebral back there um yeah then there's definitely you can definitely see him him making an impact but it has to be the right fit for him um he's a guy still i think that has some upside that we haven't seen his best football be played it's all about putting him in the right position to be successful maybe that's in a too deep look this year yeah, um, I'd be a little bit concerned with. I mean, unless he's improved in, uh, in terms of the pass coverage, uh, putting him back there. Uh, last year, uh, his coverage grade was fifty four point two. It's a weakness of his game. I mean, it, he could help himself, Sam, immensely, immensely if he can improve that part of the game and be a more reliable player. Uh, in various different positions. Right now, to me, his strength is closer to the line of scrimmage where you uh, ask him to defend smaller patches of the field and really be an asset in the run game and sometimes the pass rush. But you're be- it gets a little dicey when you start asking him to cover deep like that. Yeah, and that's, I mean, going back to, you know, even when he was in high school, Vinny, like that's just, that's just it's, you know, that's, I guess, like you said, been, been an area where he's, you know, needed to grow an area for development and, and just hasn't, you know, it hasn't happened at the rate that the Raiders, you know, needed it to. And, you know, I'm curious, right, like you said, with with this being uh, a crucial year, a, a contract year for him, a year where you know he's going to want to play his best football, what does that what does that dynamic at safety um, look like in general for the Raiders, right? They drafted, you know, Tyree Gillespie's a guy that they drafted last year in his second year now. Is he going to push for more playing time? I think that's a major question and something we'll, we'll, we'll have to track, you know, during the year and as it gets closer, um, as we get closer to training camp and as, obviously we get closer um, to the season, but it's it's for as far as Jonathan Abrams is concerned, it feels like he's just been in a different role, you know, every single year he's been in the league, and of course three different defensive coordinators, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I get right now why why you're kind of experimenting um, with where he's at because now's the time to do it. Now's the time to you know this is an evaluation period as much as anything else, right? Like now you're putting you're you're putting the foundation in what you want to install, but you're also getting an evaluation. So maybe. You know, he's working out of there just to see what they have, right? New eyes on new, you know, new coaches have new eyes and figure out how to best use him when training camp um, comes. But you're right. That's, that's been, you know, he's been very streaky in coverage his entire career. And uh, in order to, to, to maximize the two deep look, it requires a lot of discipline. Like, you know, will, will he do that? That's the question that, that leads, you know, going into training campus with Jonathan Abram. 
Sam, we love your work. Absolutely love it. We want everyone to go up to VegasNation.com and check out his story on Nate Hobbs, as well as Get the Paper, Review Journal, and at by Sam Gordon on Twitter. Thank you for your time, Sam. We look forward to talking to you again this week over at Minicamp. I appreciate you all. Thanks for having me. Thanks, right, Sam. Thank you. See you in a little bit. Sam Gordon here with us, and uh, you know that story about Nate Hobbs was very telling. You know, and and also when we saw him in that presser where he says he was asked a question, it may have been by Adam. He just simply asked, like, "I'm a DB, you know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna fit wherever they want me to. I'm not trying to uh, hold down a position. I'm going to earn they got some wherever I'm at." Cooking for him, yeah. And I like There's what some, you said, like yeah. playmaker. Now, yeah, yeah. That's Rushing what this the defense passer, needs. Um, you know, somebody brought up um, the Honey Badger. Uh, yeah. I forget who it was that there we, we had go. on the show uh, last week, but utilizing him in a way that deploys him at various vantage points mm-hmm. and parts of the field in order to take, I think he's a playmaker. I mean, we saw that yeah. last year, uh, Heidi, with the interceptions in preseason, sacking, you know, uh, on the on the blitz. Uh, he came strong, caused a fumble. He just has a knack for making plays. And I think there's a way to be able to utilize that playmaking ability because we've seen so many times how uh, defense, is not, it's not just playmakers on offense, making plays on defense, causing turnovers, flipping the field, getting the ball back to your offense is a critical part of this whole operation. And I think he's one of those guys that has the ability to make plays on a consistent basis. I like the way he's works with his instincts, but he doesn't overly play into them. He's not overly aggressive. He's just aggressive enough with those instincts and uses his eyes well to get reads on the ball to be able to put himself in a position to make a play. And it's really important with how this defense is going to work that he has a good grasp of that and is able to rein it in at the right times. Again, like we've seen Abram get super aggressive at times, go in like a heat-seeking missiles, what everybody says. And it's sometimes you know, it's to the point of fault. I think Nate Hobbs has a good balance of how he works that aggression with his natural instincts and also staying in position to make the right play. We saw that last year in the preseason game against the Rams where he was in a you know coverage covering his his guy but read the play perfectly, mm-hmm. saw what the quarterback was doing, saw what the wide receiver who was somebody else's responsibility was doing, broke off of his coverage to go chase down an interception. And um, I want to – Jalen Ramsey, I don't know if you, if you know this. I didn't until the other day. Jalen Ramsey was doing a sideline interview. It was during a preseason game against the Rams. So you know how they do the sideline interviews sure. with the veterans. Yeah. And he's talking and he's watching on the jumbo. Yeah, no, and I didn't saw, see this. And he, and he stopped and he goes, whoa, who's that? <laughs> like when Jalen Ramsey recognizes something that you did, that's, cool. that's big news. And afterwards when we talked to him, Nate was like, well, you know, I just went and made a football play. Like that wasn't what I, where I was supposed to be. But I saw what was going on mm-hmm. and I made a play. And sometimes you need to do that. Yes, there's something to be said about carrying out your responsibility more often than not that's winning football but there's also times where man you see something on the field go make the play yeah that's Vinny, heidi clay here with you on this funk tuesday great job by sam gordon let's take a break so we can bring in zig Fracassi from sirius xm nfl we'll get a national perspective of the raiders and more coming up next on raider nation radio the los angeles hey guys it's your boy Vinny b from raider nation radio in the huddle Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. 